You know, there was a um, a Star Trek X-Men crossover book in the 90s. No. What? There was. Speaking How'd that of go? worlds colliding. Um, I don't think I, I did not read the entire thing. I got it as kind of a gag gift from a friend of mine who found it in a used bookstore and was delightedly telling me about it and then gave me the book. Uh, but like, it was like Wolverine like shows up on the bridge and Picard is like, you must be the Wolverine I've heard so much about. <laughs> it's been a long road, long road, la 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 la. Welcome to the Orville Will Be Cancelled, the podcast whose very name is a mockery of us. Your hosts are Jocelyn and Greg, and you can contact us at our Twitter account, The Orville Is Bad. You can subscribe to this podcast on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, or iTunes, where you can rate and review the podcast. Today's episode is about The Orville Season 2, Episodes 1 and 2. It was recorded on January 5th, 2019. It's been a while. It's been a while. Uh, how I've been good. How have you been? Doing? Uh, it's different up and down. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad you're alive. Has there been anything huge in your life since the last time we recorded? I guess, like at this point, maybe we should like catch up the listeners because it's been like a year or so since we last recorded. <laughs> no, it hasn't been a year. It's been like four months. I guess because it... we did the we did the interim episode. Oh, that's right. Right. I guess yeah. time feels like it goes so much slower when there's not the Orville to watch. Yeah, this just the joy of having you back in my life has just it feels <laughs> you know, the last few months I've really felt like there was something missing for me and this really just brought it all back. Sure. Uh yeah, since last we recorded I now have a second child, uh, which is keeping with uh my promise to uh have a child for every season of the Orville that comes out. <laughs> So I'm just going to keep going as long as Seth does. Keep on churning them out. Yeah. Uh, I don't I don't have any children, which is in keeping with my plan to not have any children as long as the Orville is on the air. Well, congrats to that, then. Hey, thank you. Yeah. Uh, not much has happened for me. I guess, like, the there continues to be fallout from the bullshit at my job, but ah. nothing fun or exciting or cool, really. Okay. Uh, Did I do I mean, anything the KDA fun video. or exciting or cool? Oh, yeah, the KDA video came out. That was fun, exciting, and cool. Indeed. Uh, As I told you over DM, uh, it's even though I have zero knowledge about League, I enjoyed the video and the song and have been listening to that a lot, like when I'm lifting and stuff. Thank you so much. Did it inspire you to download and play the game? Uh, No, it did not. Um, Oh, so you haven't given us any money. Thank you very much. Have a good day. The only one that I remember seeing, aside from the actual video itself, is the, um, the one where someone took the video and then footage of a cat being picked up against its will so have you wait have you seen this i feel like you posted this maybe yes i've seen it yeah that's that's the only one other one besides the video itself that i've seen i played that in a meeting with some very important people right they weren't they were less impressed than i was i was very impressed by it i was so impressed well should we just get into just repeating that song on repeat for about an hour and a half Well, I haven't quite yet taught my cats to sing it. Okay. Um, which I was hoping to get done, but didn't have time because I had to watch two episodes of a horrible television show. What show? 
that would be the show The Orville, oh. after which this podcast is named, Greg. Oh, that this old podcast, show. which I would like to remind you, was your idea. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it was. At the start um, of season two. I really had no... I, I could not have possibly predicted that it was going to go into a second season, so I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, our promise to keep going as long as the show kept going, I feel like it was an easier promise to make when I was reasonably certain that it was going to leave after like six episodes. Apparently they got like couple of million dollars in funding one of the smug I, people who sends us messages said i saw this i mean i didn't see it from uh, the smug message but wait did we get a smug message on curious cat or something uh no twitter um hmm. i've been checking the twitter account uh, sure. periodically and making shitty tweets um let me let me scroll down for a second sure uh the orville this is from sci-fi spaceman 48 okay and he messaged us to say the orville is awesome i have enjoyed every episode and i've been watching star trek for 30 plus years by the way the show just got a 16 million dollar tax credit for a third season it's very likely the show will continue Ah. and so will we yeah, I guess we will. Um, it's occurring to me now, I have also watched Star Trek, I guess, for 30 plus years. Oh, God. If we're starting at, I think, I think it was like 30 years ago that uh, Next Generation premiered. Yeah, so, I think yeah, so. That, uh, so we're on the same page, me and that Orville fan. Me and my fellow Orville fan. Coming into uh, season two, one of the questions that I get the most is... How will you feel if the Orville actually becomes good and you still have to make the podcast about it? Yeah. And now that we're in season two, uh, I can confidently say my answer is the Orville did not become good. It's true. It, it might so still I feel great. happen. But it, it could. It hasn't yet. <laughs> not this season. Yeah. Uh, not from episodes <laughs> one and two. One of which actually was a carryover from, well, should we, I guess, should we get back to brass tacks and do the little recap of each episode yeah i think you should put in a cool sound effect for that by the way or have someone else do it oh oh, okay all right Um, (laughs) would you like to do episode one or episode two i'll do episode one all right okay so episode one uh jaloja is the title uh was the episode that was famously described by someone on twitter as pond far but for piss uh bordas the a plot is bordas has to piss once a year and has to go back to his home planet to piss uh so he does that and there is because it's a big ceremony the reception afterwards is like the the crux of the a plot where he's like, come to the reception and bring a date. You you should bring a date. So the whole A-plot of the show is about people trying to get dates together, which means Kelly is asking out the new dude that she's dating, Ed is jealous, uh, Alara gets set up with Dan, who works in engineering, um, and Claire... He has a big head. He has a big which head, Which is important, right? yeah. Uh, and Claire eventually uh, goes with Isaac the robot, um, I think that's most of the dates. Um, And then the B plot is that Claire's son, who is a teenager, (sighs) Ty, is that his name? Or is that the other kid? I don't remember. Teen son. Teen son Finn uh, has fallen in with a bad crowd. 
and Claire has to go to a PTA meeting because he's become a juvenile delinquent for one episode. Um, so that gets solved by Isaac, who attends the PTA meeting with her, and um, that solves that. At the end of the episode, Seth is very sad because he's still alone, but gets sidled up to by the new Dark Matter cartographer, who has just come aboard the ship, and who... Oh, Gordon's little part of the A-plot was that he wanted to ask out the Dark Matter cartographer. And so he wore a leather jacket with many zippers. Yeah, yeah, he was taught to do that by... Um, What's his face? Engineering guy. Lamar? Yeah. Yeah. So that is episode one. Um, What happened in episode two, Jocelyn? I can't believe you made me do this one. Uh, (laughs) In episode two, we explore uh, the marital issues that Bordas and Clyden are having. Mm. Uh, That's the B plot, but it, for some reason, takes up 99% of the time of the episode. Yeah. Uh, the A-plot is that they are in a system watching a planet be destroyed, and there is a subterranean civilization apparently living on the planet. Yeah. Um, and so they have to rescue the subterranean civilization before the planet is destroyed. Uh, but what we really get a lot of is Bordas's growing porn addiction. Yeah. Uh, so we see... At least three shots of Bordas <laughs> in his fantasy world in the hollow deck. Yeah. Um, including sexy doctor, mm. sexy slave Bordas, mm. uh, oh, and uh, getting uh, just ganged up on by a bunch of Mocklins. Yeah. It's so, like Mocklin Risa, the third one. Yeah. The third one is like Mocklin Risa. So, um, or fourth, maybe. So, yeah. uh, basically, what happens is. Bordas's porn addiction accelerates at a lightning pace, um, and a virus. He he approaches someone in engineering who uh, apparently their species, their entire species, <laughs> not just this person, yeah. the entire species yeah. is famous for creating pornographic hollow images. Yeah, and so uh, the dude gets him one to get gangbanged on Riza. But it turns out that it has a virus on it, and so all of the ships, even the fake science is kind of uh, vague, but, like, systems start going down and shit, and so it makes it hard to rescue the subterranean civilization. So, uh, at the end of the episode, um, oh, there's also, uh, we learned that um, the way that Mocklins divorce each other is to kill each other. Hmm. And so Clyden stabs Bordas and then Bordas goes to the uh, infirmary. And then there's like a five minute discussion on uh, cultural differences. And then they get sent to marriage counseling. We'll get into that. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I heard you take a breath. Um, so <laughs> uh, they, they get sent to marriage counseling with Dr. Finn, who is apparently both a medical doctor and the ship's counselor. Uh, <laughs> and um, uh, they decide to resolve their differences by having date nights or something. Yeah. So, um, and then the ship is fixed and then they get onto the subterranean civilization they don't even try to save them all. They make them do a lottery to rescue some of them, and then they come back, and everything's fine. Yeah, thank <laughs> I really, you. I really, I feel like I gave away some of some of the issues with episode two. Oh, I think there's still plenty to talk about. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, going into this new season, um, 
what do you what are your what were your like your first gut reactions okay so in episode one yeah i was like wait wasn't pon far introduced in season two episode one of the original series and yes it was <gasps> uh it was actually introduced because spock had to go back to his home planet in the episode amok time um because he was he hit pon far time and he was like uh committed to a woman and so literally the same episode of the same season was when Ponfar oh, got introduced and also good catch yeah and also they mirrored some of the final shots um and made uh Mocklin look like a uh bloomed up version of Vulcan which yeah. was really annoying to me sure. um so that was that was my initial thought um but I was like why is this so boring for an, a season premiere like Literally, all it is is like a cobbled together version of um, just like little, like it, it, it very loosely held together. It was just like five different subplots. Yeah. And then um, at the, I was like, that's, well, I mean, it could have been worse, but it could have been better. And then we got to episode two, and I was like, oh, baby. Oh, baby. The Orville is back. It's back. And well, then, mm. and then I'll tell you one more thought I had yeah. overall. Which was, remember when we were talking about Discovery and one of my gripes was that um, there are no, like, downtime episodes? Yeah. And it's all plot. I realized that (laughs) there's, like, a kind of, like, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde situation (laughs) or perhaps a monkey paw where all of the nothingness episodes of Mm. Star Trek-ish stuff had been packed into the Orville with nothing, like, threading them together. And so we have two shows uh neither of which are good yeah yeah so that's my feeling yeah yeah discovery it really seemed like they really focused on the klingon war as like the the main arc the narrative arc and then the the mirror universe is another narrative arc um there's no big narrative arc to the orville like we still don't quite know what exactly they're doing like are they an exploration ship? Are they a science ship? Like, are they some kind of warship? Like, it's not... I, I know we've said this with season one a lot, but, like, there's no real sense of, like, what it's doing other than, like... You've all seen Star Trek, right? It's that. Like, there's very... There's not a lot of sense of, like, what exactly the ship is doing out there in space. Yeah, and it it really the thing where it's like you've all seen Star Trek do this, right? Like it's really getting like pretty bad with just being like things lifted from Star Trek, sometimes satirical and sometimes not. So like hmm. the piss thing is clearly Ponfar. Yeah. Right? Like <laughs> it just is. It's yeah. it's the Ponfar of pissing. But then also the thing where Bordis gets stabbed because that's what divorce is, that's straight up ripped off from Klingons because you know, like, there's the episode where they have literally the same, um, like, moral crisis on the Enterprise because uh, uh, Worf wants to kill his brother. Oh, right? yeah. So it's, like, actually the same exact moral crisis using the same weapon. Except, like, an entire episode is about it instead of ten minutes of a subplot. Yeah. Um, and it's just like it just, it's just like all of these cobbled also the fact that Ed Mercer's new love interest is uh 
like the dark matter tar- tar- oh my god cartographer oh. the dark matter cartographer that is exactly the same job i think that the the lady who plays the piano who <gasps> comes on the enterprise that picard falls in love with Wait, really oh my I gosh so, yeah Wait, or like gonna... something really similar to it she's a cartographer for sure it, at some point like when does it cross from like homage after homage into the world of like this is just a series of empty references strung together into sort of a plot it's getting like it's getting really difficult (laughs) for me to like see it as a as a show instead of just like watching it and being like well there's that reference there's that reference there's that reference there's that reference but hey they doubled the production values man so yeah yeah apparently they did um, yeah, the thing that I was really amazed by was um, when you were saying, you know, people have asked what happens if the show gets good if you end up liking it. Um, and I think towards the end of season one, I was like, the three ways that I see this show going are, one, it continues to be like Seth MacFarlane's weird pet project where he explains like through his characters what his like philosophy on life and love is. Uh, two, it just becomes like boring Voyager, um, which some of the first season episodes were and which like were my most hated ones. Um, or three, it like could actually like one of the executive producers might kind of step in and take over and Seth becomes bored and leaves it. Um, and they could actually make it a good show. Um, so, so far in episodes one and two, I am delighted because (laughs) it was all still Seth's like window into his psyche. Uh, the first episode was written and directed by him. Uh, and the second episode was like written by a family guy writer uh, and then directed you by... You don't say. So I was very happy that like we are still squarely in the like Seth's weird psychosocial sexual issues oh uh, instead of having to go into Boring Voyager. Yeah, I think that Boring Voyager might be the only thing that would make me like bow out of this podcast. out of all of those conditions like it would take a lot it would have to be really boring like i finished voyager i watched all of voyager so it would have to be worse than voyager i did not finish all of enterprise so that's where that's where the line is for me (laughs) how much of enterprise did you watch one and a half seasons okay i think and then i couldn't do it that was about i think how much i watched and then i went back and watched season four at some point um, so I think I've got like two and a half seasons total. What you what what one person told me what you should do to figure out if you'll like a, a Star Trek uh, season or a series is to just watch all of the two parter episodes yeah. because you know that that's where the plot lives. It's like yeah. Cowboy Bebop. Um, <laughs> I hate anime, is it going to but... impinge my cred with Anime Brother if I say that I've never seen all of Cowboy Bebop? know how credibility works with him i don't know i don't understand him i don't pretend to understand him he's a mystery wrapped in an enigma if it became boring voyager i would i would not want to make uh i would not want to make a podcast about it however uh since it is about mocklin's going to marriage counseling with a medical doctor i'm happy to be here nice yeah, uh, apparently she just, Claire Finn, the doctor, just does everything vaguely doctory on the ship. Which is great for her, yeah. I feel like. 
So what 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 were your what were your major uh, what what were the interesting points for you in this two episode sprint? Um, the most interesting thing to me was in episode one. The uh, so Kelly is dating a school teacher, uh, and then they're on a date at some point. She tells Seth, "Oh, I'm dating someone." He's like, "Who?" And she's like, "Oh, I'm not going to tell you yet. Uh, you, it's not your business." Uh, and then Seth like takes a shuttle to like fly outside her window and like watch them kissing. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, and the show kind of presents it as like, "Oh, this is too far. This is a little wacky." But also, like, we've all done it, right, fellas? <laughs> Uh, it kind of like normalizes the stalking aspect of it um, in a kind of uncomfortable way uh, in that like while it says like we know that this is not something that you should do like we clearly all want to do it we're all like about to do it right um, to the degree that like the Kelly's new beau actually what's his name uh, Cassius Cassius I think yes Cassius yes uh Cassius says, like, oh, I've done that before. Uh, And then he and Seth, like, bro down about how to mate with Kelly. Cassius and Kelly get into a fight at some point, and he tells her to calm down. And Seth's like, ooh, bad thing to tell a woman. So the thing that I I found most interesting, this is all sort of intro to, like, what is the most interesting part of the episode to me, which was when Seth and Cassius are broing down, uh, Seth's advice to him is to be just a little bit stupid in the relationship. Yes. Uh, because <laughs> women hate it when you're too perfect, uh, because Cassius had tried <laughs> to use logic on her feeble woman mind, uh, <laughs> which was delightful to me. And I think I actually like stopped and started clapping uh, when I was watching the episode. <laughs> that Seth <laughs> sees his problem in relationships as like, sometimes I'm just too perfect. He's like on a job interview. He's yeah. like, what's your major weakness? I'm just, I just, I have to dumb it down Yeah, for the ladies. Yeah. They can't handle my logic when we're arguing. <laughs> and I say something that's just too smart and too perfect. And uh, I got to remember that when you're talking to women, you can't be that perfect. It's important. Yeah. Uh, so that was, I think, the most like single most delightful part of the two episode block for me, uh, just as far as like the thing that I love the most about the show, which is the window into Seth's psyche. I felt the same way about what Seth thinks marriage counseling is. Oh yes. <laughs> which was, which was sitting down and, uh, uh, Claire Finn tells them to look into each other's eyes and say, I statements using each other's names as many times as possible yeah um which is sort of like a lampooning of you know intimate human communication right um and what follows is exactly what you would expect uh and uh also just like you go to the trouble of making a species in your show that is like Anything to do with the Mocklins and gender continues to just be a complete fucking train wreck. <laughs> yeah. And Clyden gets written in as like a henpecking wife. And mm-hmm. it's just like, um, one thing that someone said on Twitter was they were like, I'm so glad that all of the ex-wife issues are resolved now because Kelly has a boyfriend and there's another <laughs> blonde on the ship. I'm like, no, all of the wife issues got put onto Clyden episode yeah. two. And Clyden got written as like this just like stereotypical uh demanding like emotionally needy wife 
and like you know Bordis is like the porn addicted asshole dude and it's just like why do you gotta do this like yeah. holy shit and also the best part is that we didn't get like so like the show can only like package these things in a one episode thing because it can't do narrative arcs. And so you get the entire span of Bordis developing a porn addiction and then, you know, them going to marriage counseling. And then at the end of the episode, Bordis has like a, a revelation in shitty marriage counseling where he's like, I am still angry because of what you did to Topa, which mm. is their child who had the gender fuckery last season, which yeah. we don't need to revisit. Um, <laughs> Go back and listen to the episode if you want to hear us talk about it. I'm not talking about it again. Sure. But basically, Bordis realizes in the span of the same episode, he develops a porn addiction, realizes he has the porn addiction, and then um, realizes why he has the porn addiction and resolves it all in the span of an episode, mm-hmm. which is like less than 10 hours because that's how long that thing has before it explodes the planet. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like a it's like a it's like a ten hour period. Yeah. In which this happens. And I'm like, what? Speaking of collapsing time. <laughs> yes. Uh, and the Mocklins. Uh Topa yes. is now like ten. Yes. Topa was so Topa in the first season was a baby. Uh yes. and so all of the things about having a kid like I, I think it's very clear Seth MacFarlane does not have kids and has like just the vaguest sense of what a child might be. Because uh, in the first ep- season, it was like just this. Well, like, me random... too. To be fair, okay, well, fair. Um, well, yeah. In the first season, it was just like a random baby that they had to deal with occasionally whenever Topa appeared in their quarters or whatever, who would be like you know crying, uh, and they'd have to put it to bed. Uh, and then in season two, Topa is suddenly like ten years old. Uh, and talking to them at like the breakfast table. So I, I guess we are meant to assume that. Much like Alexander aged from, like, conception to, like, age seven in a, the course of a Star Trek season. Uh, that the Mocklins likewise, just have, like, insanely fast child rearing. What could be, like, the Jem'Hadar are, too, right? Yeah. Don't yeah, they grow true. up in, like, a week? Yeah. Which was the actual, like, the subject of a really excellent episode of DS9. It was. Yeah. Yes. So that, the whole, the whole... For similar reasons to you, the whole thing, that whole thing was just, like, amazing to me. It's like every time Seth gets near gender and sexuality, it's mm-hmm. just, like, the biggest shit show yeah. that I have ever seen on television. Yeah. And another, listen, I don't know if you picked up on this, but another little tidbit I noticed in these two episodes is Seth must have gotten mad at someone who didn't like how they how he pronounced their name because yes. in the first episode, yep. In the first episodes, he goes to see Cassius and he calls him Cassius. Hmm. And the dude's like, no, my name's Cassius. And Seth's like, Whoa, okay. And then in the, in the second episode, they're talking to the minister from the planet. His name is minister Thies. Yes. And Seth calls her minister Thies. And Kelly's like, bro, like, I don't think that's how it's pronounced. And he's like, don't you think we have more important things to be doing right now? So clearly, Seth is very upset with someone for mispronouncing their, like, because he mispronounced their name and they got upset. Yeah. It's, I feel to me, like, it seems like an echo of in season one, when they go to that planet where Alara wears the hat that belongs to some ethnic group on the planet. 
Yes. And the dude is like, you can't wear that hat. That's my hat. And he's like real catty about it. Uh, yes. Where it's like very clear that Seth is like, these kinds of things are insanely unimportant, but people keep getting mad at me for some reason. Yeah, uh, there's going to be an episode where they go on a planet and they have different gender pronouns and I'm going <laughs> to turn off the TV and go to bed in the yep. middle of the day, I think. So see, episode two was supposed to be in season one and they held oh, on yeah? to it. Yeah, uh, that was the one that, like, because originally I think there was, like, 13 episodes in the first season, and then it decided to, like, hold off on airing one until season two. But why? Um, Well, that's a good question. Speculation. (laughs) One possible speculation is that they were worried about putting explicit gay porn on season one, that it might, like, drive away their core audience. Oh, Um, yeah. Which is, like... I bring up as a possibility only because all of the porn scenes are, like, excruciatingly long. Oh, they're so long. Like, I th- and, like, when I was watching them, I was like, is this supposed to be funny? Is it supposed to be sexy? Is it supposed to be sad? Like, we're watching Bordis, like, shirk his responsibilities to his family to, like, go hook up with other hollow Mocklins on the holodeck. Uh, it's like the tone is like really hard to get a sense of like what exactly we are supposed to think of them. Yeah, there's no, um, there's not really any musical cues right. during those scenes, and also Bordis is so non-emotive generally right. that you also get no cues from him. Yeah. And so, from a storytelling perspective, it's really hard to tell what they're trying to accomplish. And like you said, they all last about thirty seconds too long. Yeah, if you do watch one episode of The Orville. I might, if I were you, go look at this, because it's just kind of bizarre. Like, there's this scene with the doctor, and the doctor's like, take off your gown, and we get, like, this loving shot of Bordas's nude body, and then the doctor, like, coming up behind him and kissing his neck, and it lasts, like, a really long time. Yeah, well, that's the thing, because I was like, originally, at first, when, like, the scene started, I was like, okay, this is, like, supposed to be... Like, the cue here is, like, we're supposed to be, like, sad and worried. Like, Bordas, you shouldn't be addicted to porn. You should, like, go hang out with your family and do your Shipley duties. Yeah. But then, like, the longer the scene went on, the more I was like, do they want me to laugh? Or, like, because, like, it's kind of, like, just straight up, straightforward sexy. Where, like, the doctor is, like, kissing his neck. And it's just, like, the camera's lingering. And I was just like, do they want me to actually, like, be turned on by Bordas here? Yeah, it's and I'm like I don't think that you need to be I don't think that you like need to be coy about these things. It's just like not clear why right. it's happening. Right. Like right. one would think that if it's trying to be like, oh, this dude is getting way too deep into porn addiction, you could just show like the intro and you could be like, oh yeah, I get what's happening here. Right. Jesus. <laughs> that like feeling like you can just show the intro like is kind of what they did in Next Generation with Barkley when everyone walks yep. in on his holodeck program and it's immediately clear to everyone what's happening. Like yep. Troy appears and she's like, I'm the goddess of love. And everyone's like, computer ah, and program. Yikes. Um, but this like just goes on for quite some time oh yeah we should that that's true that this plot is also borrowed from numerous parts of star trek yes yeah (laughs) barkley you got jordy laforge oh right you even got janeway in a few episodes or something oh yeah i don't think i really saw any of the what is it like an irishman Oh, it is. It's an Irish. Uh, it's an Irish. I think he runs a pub. Ooh. And uh, she famously has a line where she looks up his uh, 
she looks him up on the like the holodeck computer and she makes adjustments to his personality and then she says computer delete the wife yes (laughs) (laughs) one of the the classic (laughs) lines of star trek I think you brought that up. I still have not seen the episode, but I think you brought up that particular part of the episode on our all horny episode from season one. Oh, oh, I'm sure I did because that is like <laughs> that is up there for me. Yeah, um, yeah. So this is also a this is this is this is also a tried and true Star Trek trope, basically. Yeah. Also, Quark runs a whole holodeck right. uh, pornography. Uh, business on the back end of his bar. So. Right. Although in DS9, there's not a specific species whose overriding no. characteristic is good at making porn. No, which is... No, there isn't. Yeah. There, there are many kinds of species making many kinds of porn for Quark. Yes. Um, <laughs> one of the things that I was wondering since this is a season two episode that was originally supposed to be season one is yeah. if... In the original airing of it, uh, the original planned airing when it was supposed to be in season one, if Mm -hmm. the porn-making species guy... uh, So he's basically just like a huge lump of CGI Yes, that's kind of lumbering around. Um, And I was wondering if maybe they, like, took advantage of the extra time they had in season two to, like, make him more CGI. Like, maybe it was someone like uh, Dan, who's just, like, a dude with a lot of makeup on his head. Mm. And then they were like, oh, we've got extra time. Let's, like, throw some CGI in there. I think, when did they decide to pull the episode? It was, like, midway through season one, I think. So the other thing is, I'm wondering if their ratings for the first Bordis gender episode were really bad. Ah. And they decided to pull it and spread out the love. Yeah. But I don't know. <laughs> it would also mean that probably in season two, they would have had to shoot the breakfast scene with Topa in that episode separately and then splice it into the episode. And so I mm. went back and I watched that breakfast scene and it's like one scene of Bordas talking to Topa, one shot of Bordas talking to Topa, like a bunch of intercut shots of Topa looking at both parents. Uh, but then the rest of the scene is just Bordas and Clyden kind of arguing amongst themselves and not referencing Topa in any way that suggests that he's like a, a sentient person able to talk. So I was wondering if originally it was like a scene about just the two of them talking about Topa, who is a, still a baby. Greg, do you think maybe you think harder about the editing <laughs> of the Orville than anyone, including its editors? <laughs> I think I might. Uh, okay. You accused me a number of times in season one, or at least one time, of uh, going somewhat mailroom Charlie, as you said, uh, screaming about Pepe Sylvia as I point to the court board. Uh, so the time that I recall you explicitly calling me mailroom Charlie was when Michaela McManus, the actress who played a Krill in the episode mm-hmm. Krill, uh, I was like, okay, so I did a little digging. Jocelyn, it turns out Michaela McManus went to school in Rhode Island. She grew up there. So do you think that maybe she and Seth met at a party and they were like, oh, I'm both from New England. Seth was like, Family Guy takes place in Rhode Island. And Michaela was like, I'm from Rhode Island. And like, he was like, yeah, she's, she's going to be in my show now because like, I trust people from that area. Um, and you were like, Greg, that's too crazy. 
Uh, and so this I is, cut it out. It's definitely a manageable amount of crazy. Right, right. This, this I think, is a more justified kind of crazy. Well, all right. So, okay. So, yes. This, this all happened, and then I edited that part out of the episode when I was editing it, because I was like, this is, this is like... I don't know why you didn't leave it in, but okay. <laughs> well, I was like, it's probably not interesting to anyone else other than, like, my own crazy speculation. Uh, I'll leave it out. Um, it's very clear, because she's only in for, like, one episode, Michaela McManus will never be back again. Yeah. Then... She is the stellar cartographer in episode one of season two. Wait, really? Yes. That's the same person? It's the same person from Rhode Island. <laughs> so now I'm, I'm kicking myself that I ended out of season one when I could have had like this very clear background of like getting Can ready. You, do to... you have that saved? Can you dig up the footage? God, I might. You... I, I, I will see if I can find it. I feel like I deleted yeah. a bunch of source material from season one Damn. after I edited the episodes, but I'll see if it may, it may have still survived that purge. Oh my gosh. So there's, I think, some speculation from someone online that I saw that maybe she'll turn out to be a Krill spy in the same way that, like, um, oh no. What's his face from <laughs> Discovery turned out chin. to be? What's that? The man with the weak chin. Yes. The way that yeah. our chinless boy became Volk, the Klingon. Yeah, so she, it looks like she's going to become the new love interest to Seth based on the end of season one, where she like sidles up to him at a bar and, and gets another bourbon next to his bourbon. I just think you can take one blonde out of the running and just drop another in, and that is writing. Yeah. <laughs> Folks, that is how you write a show. Yeah. Have you noticed that Michaela McManus also bears a bit of a resemblance to Charlize Theron? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, she does. It More seems than to be, a bit, I'd say. yeah. That seems to be perhaps a, a kind of lady that I think Seth is uh, has a bit of a crush on. Yeah, it would be cool to handpick people you're attracted to and put them <laughs> on your shitty Star Trek ripoff. Yeah, I, I would so. absolutely do that. I would be like, uh, what's his name? Seinfeld. What? No, I don't have a crush what? on Seinfeld. No, no, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> what is his name? <laughs> I'm not trying to imply that you're hot for Seinfeld. Um, sorry, I meant you were doing the thing that Seinfeld kind of did in Seinfeld's, where like every other episode he was like dating some new random hot lady. Oh, and they would last like one episode, and then he'd be like dating someone else in the next episode. Um, and he was, you know, like a major producer of the show, so I'm sure he was just like. Hey, I want to have like more scenes with like hot ladies. Let's let's get this hot lady this time. I would put on Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Ah, he's that is the... who I would put on my voice cracks when I said <laughs> because I was thinking about Jeffrey Dean Morgan. <laughs> so he is the the Walking I'm Dead guy, right? I'm watching now because I said his name. Nice. Go ahead. <laughs> is he in? He's Walking Dead. Is he? I've never seen The Walking Dead. Yes. What he else is. is he in? Yes, he is. Uh, he was also the father of the boys in Supernatural. He was ah. an investigator in The Good Wife. Okay. Um, I think those are his primary. Oh, he was in Grey's Anatomy as well. Oh, nice. Yeah. I think he has uh, a salt and pepper pattern similar to myself. So I'm excited that uh, there's other people doing that on TV. Oh, but it's the voice. What is his voice? <sighs> Do oh an impression. my god! I can't do an impression. It's so gravelly and ah. like, oh, it's so good. Smoke quietly. 
almost in a whisper. It's been so long since I've kissed a girl, he said. Huh. Lorca had a bit of that going on, too. Yeah, Lorca did have a... That's why he's Captain Daddy Warcrimes. Yeah. So Jeffrey Dean Morgan and Daddy Warcrimes <laughs> would be <laughs> in but two only, different episodes. What's up? But only in his full uh, Lucius Malfoy getup. Gotcha. I don't want the Star Trek captain. I want a good crossover episode. <laughs> sure. Can I talk about something that I think Steph did that was good? Seth. Yeah. Steph? Oh my gosh. Steph. Do. Here's they really dialed down the shitty pop culture references <gasps> to did. a believable amount. Because okay, so like I saw I don't I don't remember where I saw it. I think someone in our Twitter mentions was talking about how um, one of the things that makes Star Trek feel kind of weird is that they have no pop culture references. Mm, you get like yeah. Klingon opera, but yeah. you don't get anything that we can kind of hold on to. Yeah. Um, this time, we got like a couple of references, especially when Seth is giving really shitty romantic advice to the teacher. Um, <laughs> but we got a couple of references to stuff that you could imagine would probably be timeless, or at Journey. least like have last yeah would have lasting cultural impact but it wasn't like a constant barrage of bullshit in yeah. memes which i appreciated actually yeah there are a couple of like ugh i have notes about where there are weird um anachronistic things mm-hmm. um they they play uh the song uh time as time goes by uh, mm-hmm. three times in the first episode Really? Yeah. It happens twice within the first 14 minutes. Because um, oh I like gosh. took a note being like, it's, all right, time goes by starting on a record player. There's a record player in 10 Forward, apparently. That's right. Yeah. And so I was like, all right, they're doing the Casablanca song to show that Ed is sad <laughs> because that is the movie where people are sad about love. Um, and Seth apparently is not able to write from actual human experience, but only like what he's seen in TV and movies. Um so they play that, and then, like, 14 minutes later, they play it again. And then they play it for a third time at the post-Jaloja reception. Wow. So they really clearly... bought the rights to that, huh? Yeah, they must have bought the rights, and then they were just like, we're going to get our money's worth. And so there's that, and there's also Journey. Uh, Kelly is a huge fan of the band Journey. Who isn't, really, besides yeah. me? <laughs> have you stopped believing? I never started. Another thing that I liked about uh, the exposure of Seth's brain was when <laughs> Just he on was... a table carved open. Yes. <laughs> God, yeah. Uh, there's the part where he's talking to Alara about how much... Who, by the way, I think he's still dating her, yeah? I don't IRL. know. I, I believe I know. they are still dating. I looked okay. him up on the Seth MacFarlane wiki... And it had a list. There's of, a like, Seth MacFarlane wiki. <laughs> there's some kind of like celebrity site um, that like compiles <laughs> who celebrities have dated. Uh, okay. And so I got to see like a little rundown of like all of them. And it says Halston Sage for like the most recent through the present. Okay. So I think they're still together. Uh, he and Alara are talking, having a heart to heart over bourbon. Uh, at the beginning of the episode and he says you know we've got a lot in common we're both alcoholics we both know that we're extremely good at our jobs 
Um, and that seems to be said without any hint of irony. But like, yes. Oh, God. I did see that. Yeah, yeah. But then, like, subsequently in the episode, he's stalking his first officer because she's his ex-wife and he can't handle that she's, like, going on a date with someone else. Um, so I was amazed to see, again, like, this happened a lot in season one, where everyone would talk about what a great captain he is, and we never actually, like, saw him do anything even remotely good there was like one or two things where he would like did some cool captain maneuver while piloting the ship yes um but like aside from that he just seems to be like an utterly wretched command officer yeah i still have seen no evidence of him being able to do anything but walk in a room and make really bad jokes yeah which he excels at yeah Um, Yeah, that seems to be the main thing typecasting can you imagine what seth is like at parties (sighs) he must be nice enough i mean like people keep working with him he keeps getting all of these like hollywood chances and like hollywood big shots to work with him so i imagine oh, yeah. he's, like, let's talk about <laughs> who's gonna be on the orville this season from star uh, trek so speaking of seinfeld we've already had jason alexander apparently it was a guest role okay um who from star trek is coming on is it Worf? is Worf coming i believe troy oh <gasps> troy okay Hold on. so we've seen pictures on twitter of uh um we've seen pictures of uh Jordy LaForge with him, we've seen wow. Troy with him, uh we've seen a couple of others. And I'm pretty sure I heard that Troy is gonna be on it. Okay. Um Michael Dorn also said that he likes the show. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if Brent Spiner's gonna make an appearance. And didn't we say Robert Picardo? was going to be on it didn't you say that he was on it he was oh he was on his father yeah oh that's right oh god sorry so why were you looking up seth's shoe size oh (laughs) (laughs) that was on well so this is when i was going pepe sylvia about where he's from and what his origin story is to figure out like okay would he have like met michaela mcmanus before he moved to hollywood or after um and so i went on some celebrity wiki page that like basically was just like four people who want to know lots of details about celebrities um so that's where i saw the thing about how he's still dating halston sage apparently Mm -hmm. Uh, and it said his shoe size is speculated to be size 10 (laughs) (laughs) speculated yeah i guess people have gotten down there and measured yeah i guess people are just doing measurements based on what they see uh on on screen well honestly uh in the age of ordering shoes online you don't Mm -hmm. go to a you don't go to like a department store and then have your feet measured anymore really yeah so i guess uh the age of sears employees leaking shoe sizes (laughs) to the adoring public is over yeah just another uh another casualty of the internet really it's a great tragedy yeah i imagine that um you could probably do some good measuring from episode one of this season because there's like one totally weird out of place shot that's shot from like ankle level yes when the dark matter cartographer is first introduced like the camera suddenly drops down to the ground uh i was kind of expecting that we were like getting the point of view of like an Maybe someone like, uh, who's that little glob alien? 
that Norm Macdonald voices? Oh, the one, uh, the Yaffe. one who hits on Yaffet. Yeah, yeah. I thought we were. I'm gonna surprised like... we haven't seen Yaffet with the new and improved production dollars. Yeah, yet. I'm. It makes me wonder if, like, maybe there was some falling out with Norm Macdonald and he just won't be on the show anymore. Well, to be fair, the second episode was filmed during the first season, so maybe mm. episode three will be. It will reveal all. We'll, we'll keep an eye out for Yafit. Yep. Well, that would also explain... It's new look. Maybe there is a possibility, perhaps, that the original maker of Mocklin porn could have been Yafit, and then they just threw oh. another CGI guy into that instead. Oh, now you're getting Charlie on me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so anyway, the, the, the shot from ankle level made no sense, seemed to come out of nowhere, but... Uh, could potentially be good for someone who's pausing the screen and measuring everything to see what Seth's shoe size might actually be. Is that you? you (laughs) (laughs) I haven't done it yet. Well, so here's the other thing. If I did that, if I did that though, how do I know that in fact that the shoe size reflects what his shoe, what his foot size actually is? Because we've seen in episode or in uh, season one that he was packing the deltoid regions when he was like wearing a t-shirt so See, for all i know he's doing the shoes thing. yeah he could be like oh getting size 11 shoes and like he's actually like a size four and he's just filling it with newspapers he's putting cotton balls in the toe yeah 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 i didn't take any notes this time i got uh, really drunk and watched it both of them twice <laughs> you're a lot more prepared than i am i'm sorry no it's all right you watched them twice i watched them twice yeah wow good job i was i think only drinking for the second episode which i watched last night he does his thing of saying, I think a direct quote, the choice to love should transcend timing and anything less is cowardice, uh, which felt again like a true Seth feeling. Yes. Um, which made me wonder if like he really destroyed someone else's relationship at some point. And he's like, eh, it's fine. I was being honest with my own heart. Who among us has not? Has not. Yeah, <laughs> I'll say to that. Maybe uh, one of the many things that Seth and I have in common. Malloy plays guitar. That is introduced, mm. which uh, we know that uh, the actor, because of Sunset Boulevard, his uh, yep big song. Uh, we know that he plays guitar. So, so you know we're going to get a song from him. Yeah, yeah. I think we're going to get some musical performances, especially yeah. given Seth's uh, predilection towards. Uh, people playing music on his specials and such oh so everybody made such a big fucking deal out of um (laughs) the season having more production values online and then whenever alara is on the date with dan she walks out whenever he gets weird and she gets a text from him on her little (gasps) comms thing that says i miss you and it is the fucking jankiest most (laughs) 80s looking bullshit i've ever seen like they made the technology look worse than iphones which is incredible it looks like skype it looks like skype (laughs) (laughs) it's like it remains very much um like seth's inability to write in any time that's not like 2006 ish Like, there is just, like, that level of technology in the future. Um, That's true. He, like, very clearly does not want to write a show that takes place a thousand years in the future. Like, he wants it to be taking place now or But on a spaceship. Right, but on a spaceship. So that everyone, like, has the same pop cultural database of knowledge 
Uh, everyone has the same like general day-to-day technology, um, but then also they're in in space. I feel like you know what I my my feeling about this podcast is that hmm. I want to bring as much as I can to the table. But when I do stuff like taking notes and things, then I go into like a kind of dilemma where I'm like, do I want to really give enough thought to Seth MacFarlane? Like, do I want to give the time and effort into taking notes? And so it's a balance between being respectful of you and our five listeners, but also being properly disrespectful of Seth. Yeah. And so it's like kind of a, a quandary for me, which yeah. is why I'll be like, I don't know that guy's name. I don't know what the <laughs> fuck they're called. Because I'm like, I could look those things up, but I'm not going to. Yeah. Well, I think it's fine. I think it's a good balance for the fact that I, on the other hand, I'm like, all right, here's where Seth went to high school. It's called Kent School. It's in Connecticut. I know it's a private school. I know it's got a crew team. I know that there was some uh, is that all hassle true? with his. Was that? Is that all true? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was looking at all this. <laughs> <laughs> I discovered that the writer of episode two. All right, here's. All right, we're gonna go Pepe. Right, all right, all the right, writer right. of episode two went to high school with Seth, so that's how they know each other. So they go way back. Uh, also, the writer um, Wellesley Wild is his name. My family, if you go way back hundreds of years, the the Scottish side of my family was in with uh, Robert the Bruce, aka the good guy from Braveheart. Uh, Wellesley Wilde is descended from Edward Longshanks, the bad guy from Braveheart. <laughs> so, really, in a way, this has been like a hundreds of years battle that's come to the present day by way of this podcast talking about oh his God. bad writing. He went that to high school important. with Seth. You're right. Yeah. He went to high school with Seth. They both went to the Kent School in Connecticut. How did you know to look up this person's heritage? Like, what? <laughs> It was, on his, it was on his Wikipedia page. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Um, so clearly, I would imagine he must have written that on there himself, because I can't imagine there's any like fans of his writing who are like tracing his family tree and being like, oh, he's a direct descendant of Edward Longshanks. Wellesley, Greg is coming for you, dude. Yeah. <laughs> he's on his way. <laughs> there's there's going to be a clan war, a brewing. <laughs> One other thing that I I wanted to bring up that I thought was particularly funny about episode one of season two is when Seth is broing down with Cassius uh, and he, they have like a real heart to heart and he's like, do you love her? And Cassius is like, yeah, I do. When it's been established that Cassius and Kelly have been dating for a month and he is like, and I'm not saying that it's like totally insane to say like we love each other that early, but it is totally insane to like say it to her ex boyfriend. Yes. The other thing carrying over from season one, um, you might recall that I watched a lot of episodes and thought like, what in Seth's life, his day to day life, is influencing this episode? Like, yes. Uh, like, did he see a cool car and he was like, I'm going to put a cool car in this episode? It yes. made me wonder if Seth has an iguana, a pet iguana, because the bartender in episode one looks almost precisely like an iguana and we, seth is drinking this i found a thread on the anime superhero forums asking if seth mcfarland has any pets and the first response was no offense meant but did this really warrant an entire thread basically i was wondering if because he's drinking bourbon and talking to the bartender if there was ever a time in his life that he had an iguana 
and was just sitting next to it, moping and drinking whiskey alone at home and talking to his iguana. Honestly, I've been thinking about getting some kind of reptile Hmm. and iguana is on the list. So once again, Seth and I have something (laughs) in common because you know if I get a lizard, I'm going to talk to that thing. Yeah, you can drink bourbon and talk to your lizard. Yeah, that's right. Because the thing about lizards is they don't respond, whereas my cats, if I talk to them a lot, they get this really annoyed look on their face, and then they run away. They keep saying, this is something that you brought up on Twitter mm. um, in episode The sexual two. event. The sexual event. <laughs> the sexual event. They don't say we are having sex. They say we're doing the sexual event. You are ruining the sexual event. It's supposed to get a laugh, maybe? I think it was supposed to be funny, yeah. Huh. Which is why they did it like eight times. It's uh, another thing where it's like it's supposed to be funny, except that then like it is just how that species refers to sex. Yeah. So like then it gets normalized, and then it's like, what is this supposed to be sad? Like, it's, yeah. It's normal for people to use different words, so I don't know. Yeah, I feel like they're really hamstringing themselves with how they've whatever the show Bible equivalent is for how Mocklin should act well and for <laughs> and humor yes. and that. <laughs> um i just i feel like bordis is like very clearly you know he's the wharf analog he's uh, also the funniest part of the show actually whenever yeah. they're not like shooting themselves in the foot about it yeah because he's actually got really good delivery like, yeah. I actually did laugh when he was in, like, the weird slave scenario, and he said his name was Chester. Yes. <laughs> that actually got a laugh from me. I'm not I'm not uh, too cowardly to admit that that, because he's just, like, Cheston. The yeah. delivery was really good. He's got really good delivery. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it should be interesting to see if they're able to, like, do much more with him. I feel like with both him and Isaac... Like, they're kind of, they're very stiff characters overall. Um, They've got, like, one dimension, right? Like, the Bordis humor is when Bordis does something that you would not expect Bordis to do. Right. Uh, And then the Isaac humor is that he doesn't understand human beings. Yeah. And then that is the the humor that each of them brings. um, Yeah. Which is sort of just continually never changing. Yeah. I feel I data. Yeah. I continue to feel really bad for, um, what's her face? Who plays Claire? Um, I can't remember her actual name at the moment. Yeah. Uh, but she, in the first episode when she like is talking to Isaac about child rearing, which like is totally unclear. Like, is he their nanny? Like, why is he just like constantly hanging out in their quarters? He's always around. But she's, like, talking to him about child-rearing, and, like, all of her lines are like, thanks a lot, Isaac, when he's like, you seem like a bad mother. And she's like, ah, jeez. She's really not given much to work with, and it makes me real sad. Because, again, she's just like, this is a long way from Cassidy Yates on DS9. You know the DS9 documentary is coming out this year? What? Yeah. Huh? Have we talked about this? No! Oh, yeah, there's a documentary about DS9 that's coming out in 2019. Oh, my God. It's called What We Left Behind, and I think Iris Stephen Bear is, like, the main guy who's putting it all together. Oh, if you did mention that, I just completely forgot. Ah, well, it was supposed Holy to come shit. out in 2018. It was, like, kickstarted, um, and it was promised to come out in 2018, and apparently once they started putting it together... 
they remastered a bunch of footage um, from like the original film negatives. Uh, and then it looked really good, and so they decided to keep remastering all of the footage that's going to be in the documentary. So I guess they're doing that now, which is taking more Shit. time. Shit. Yeah. That's really dope. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, we'll talk about that one when it comes out. Indeed. Oh, what else are we going to... Uh, let's just... We can transition off. We don't have to keep beating the dead horse that is the Orville. Why sure. don't we transition into nicer things, such as the other things we're going to talk about, which one of which is apparently... In the upcoming episodes, I mean. So one of which is apparently going to be the Deep Space Nine documentary. We also yes. have a new Star Trek show with yep. Picard. Yeah, Discovery's coming back in like Discovery's two weeks. Discovery's coming back. And are we going to watch those shorts? Because someone else asked me about them. <gasps> yes, we should. We'll yeah. discuss them next episode of this podcast. Okay. Can I say with Discovery, a thing that made me real nervous? Oh, uh, if you look at the trailer for season two, it looks like they're trying to get a lot of humor and adventure into it in a way that looks like they're trying to actively compete with the Orville. Uh, there is a scene where one of the alien crew members sneezes mucus all over someone and it's very slapsticky. Oh, no. And it makes me real, real nervous. Oh, no. <laughs> So we'll see what happens with Discovery in season two. Maybe the two shows will just merge. You've made me very sad on this day. They're going to go through a wormhole, and Michael Burnham is going to become the first officer of the Orville and trade places with Kelly, who will She's going to do a musical Discovery. number with Malloy. <gasps> yeah. She's going to get some. She's going to get infected by a, a brain parasite that makes her fall in love with Malloy and they're going to start a musical act and he's going to play the guitar and she's going to sing. I think we're we're going to I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and say we're going to do another Star Trek horny bracket for Deep Space 9. I'm going to go yes, ahead and commit right. to that. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and commit to that. We also may have a, an upcoming episode with us talking about yeah. Galaxy Quest. Yeah, that would be great. Okay. Everyone's favorite Star Trek movie. Also, let me yeah. talk about Okay, so like Star Trek has plot holes. All right. Oh yes. Oh, are Star there plot Trek holes? Has plot in, holes. Are there plot holes in this episode? Oh my god! What? This drove me fucking crazy <laughs> in episode two. I steamed about this. So they find this planet. They find the subterranean civilization. The subterranean yep. civilization is like, oh man, there are other planets. Our scientists yep. thought there might be, but we didn't know. So clearly, their science is not very advanced, right? Yep. Yeah, it's so, a subterranean civilization of 75 people left so, on the planet. Right. So the the premise of why Bordas has to go down. So here's what happens. Bordas has this fight and this porn addiction. Bordas has to go down and see a positive model of a relationship in front of him before he understands how he has to change. So to get him there, Bordas needs to be the one down there. So right. when Isaac says, um, you know, uh, it's too dangerous. The doctor is like, well, probably Isaac and Bordas can withstand the radiation. And the radiation is from when they leave the ship to when they walk to like the entrance of the place that to yeah. the subterranean place. Yeah. So they get there and they're like, do you guys have radiation suits? And they're all like, yeah, no problem, dude. So <laughs> yes. like, how the fuck does this Even civilization before. of 75 people underground have radiation yeah. suits that are better than the ones on the Orville. Yeah. 
Well, because before they introduced the radiation suits on the planet, I was like, wait, why can only Isaac and Bordis go? Like, can't they just put someone in a radiation suit if, like, radiation is the danger? And I was like, okay, like, maybe radiation suits just don't exist in this universe. No, uh, whatever. it is a gaping then, bullshit yeah. plot hole. Like, three minutes later, they're like, oh, yeah, we all know what radiation suits are, right? Cool. Okay. We've got them. This fucking bullshit. It's bullshit. (laughs) It made me so mad. And I was like, you were so fucking lazy. Just put Bordas on the fucking team. Yeah. Like, give him another reason. Like, that was just lazy, right? Whoever that family guy, dude, you should be ashamed of yourself, man. Mm -hmm. Like, go back to Rhode Island, dude. Yeah. Go tell it to Edward the Longshanks. Motherfucker. Yeah. I mean, well, and also so it was like the way the dialogue was written too. It's not like Bordas is like, how will we get them out? And then they're like, don't worry, we have radiation suits. I think he actively says like, I assume you have radiation suits. And they're like, yep. oh yeah, we do. He's like, do you have enough radiation suits for everyone? And they're like, yep, we're good. Yep. No problem. Uh, the other huge plot hole in re the evacuation was uh, <laughs> they're like, so they get on the shuttle and they're like, there's only enough room on the shuttle for 30 people out of the 75. Yes. And then it shows like a shot of them on the shuttle. And of course, like immediately I'm like looking at the shuttle. I'm like, there's room for 75 people on there. Like it's like the size of like a New York City subway car. It could be a weight limit. It could be a weight limit. Is it a weight limit? Is it a weight limit for 75 people from a fucking sci-fi shuttle? Okay. Blasting through space. Here's the thing for me. I was was imagining if Worf were in the same situation. Uh And it's like Worf and like Data. They yeah. would figure out a way to save all 75 people. Right. And they are instead, very... they would, like, sacrifice themselves and yeah. stay on the planet to send two more people up. Yeah. And instead, they're like, okay, y'all go do your lottery and figure out who dies. Like, that's chill. Yeah. And Whatever. they're very blasé about it. They're yeah. just like, I can't believe we lost over half of this civilization down below while yep. we, like, watched them die. They're just like, oh, here's our 30. See ya. Yep. <laughs> it's really quite amazing. Uh, uh, and the thing that, like, I, I constantly, I was thinking about, like, over and over again after I watched this episode is, like, these kinds of plot holes, like, it would be easy to say, so in, in like, the, uh, the opening theme of uh, Mystery Science Theater, there's, like, a line about, like, if you're wondering how they eat and breathe, like, don't worry about it. It's just a show, just relax. Um, mm-hmm. Which, like, I think is what, someone might say to us getting all head up about this show except that like unlike something like mystery science theater it's not played as like a silly stupid thing that we all know is silly stupid like the orville is like it takes itself dead seriously and it's certainly not a fucking comedy like it is trying to be sci-fi and it's doing like an astoundingly bad job of it (laughs) Also, with the shuttle, it's not even just like, oh, I'm looking at the space and, like, I can see you could fit 75 people in there. But, like, whatever. They're going to, like, do some camera trick later to make it look like it's more full than, like, it actually is. But then when they leave the planet, there's, like, a solid three feet of space behind Bordas and Isaac where all of the people are standing. And I was like, if I was looking at that, I would be like, huh, it it really seems like my um, my one-year-olds could have, like, been in that space. Um, <laughs> seems like they just kind of wanted to have a lot of space from us. <sighs> Gotta be able to stretch out. A small change of pace in uh, episode two. I think it may have been the first time we've seen subtitles from a member of the crew. 
Mm. Um, the CGI porn making alien instead yes. of speaking galactic standard or English, whatever it is they're speaking. Yes. Uh, speaks in his own alien tongue, and then it subtitles it at the bottom. Which Borda which, seems to understand without a problem. Right, it's like a ha-han and chewy kind of situation. Yeah. Uh, which also continue like, that was another thing that made me wonder, like, was that someone else? Might it have been Yafit? Like, did they have someone record dialogue, and then they were mm. like, eh, we're gonna cover it over with something else. Hey, those Hollywood gossip guys, how are Norm and Seth doing? <laughs> yeah. Tell us about Norm and Seth. Yeah. Are they dating? Are they an item? Men going their own way. There's a reference to the Ark of the Covenant melting people's faces off in Indiana Jones, so they're clearly all familiar with Indiana Jones. But they didn't actually say, just like in Indiana Jones, the Ark (laughs) of the Covenant, which I think is an improvement in the writing, because before, they would have been like, is it going to melt my face off like in that Indiana Jones movie? Yeah. And then showing a clip. I think that's actually a step up. Yeah, they didn't show a clip of Indiana Jones on the main view screen like they did with Seinfeld. Oh, God. What are what are your season two predictions? Oh, God. All right, season two predictions. Well, all right, predict that Seth and Michaela McManus uh, date on the show. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out here on the limb here and say I predict that they will also date in real life. Ooh. Let's see if cold. that one holds up. That's cold for Alara. It is. Is she married or anything? Did you look that up? Uh, she has a son, I think. She must be married. I think she's married. She. Okay. I, 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 look, I took a very cursory look at her Twitter account, and there's pictures of her like playing with a small child. Okay. Um, so I think that she does have some kind of children. Okay. I don't know if she's married or not. Okay. Not that that would stop Seth, apparently. From yeah, what we when, it, when love is involved, there's no reason not to hit on a married lady. Okay. Uh, what are your predictions? We get Isaac in a romantic relationship hmm. of some sort, similar to Data with uh, that girl who we tried to date where it got weird. Oh, yeah. And uh, I predict that there will be a death on the crew. Ooh. Okay. So this is my this is my justify. Also, also, did you notice that uh, Lamar grew a goatee this season, just like Riker did? <gasps> I did not notice that. Okay. Um. So so there. So here is my Charlie date in the mailroom moment. Okay. Uh, because there are so many things mirroring the structure of other Star Trek series, such as opening <laughs> with Ponfar. Slash piss. Um, I think, did Tasha Yar die at the end of season two? Oh, it was somewhere in season one, wasn't it? Was it? Uh, so oh, it, is it, was... the, it is the end of episode one, or season one. So okay. I predict that we might see, similarly, in the season finale, a death on the crew. I, I think... don't think that'll actually happen, but I would love to see one of them die. Yeah. I don't even care which one. Here, I, here's all right. I'm gonna jump on that prediction and say okay. I'm yes gonna and. predict. What's that? Yes, and you know I'm gonna yes and this. With Cassius is going to die tragically, oh, which shit. will be some kind of emotional motivating force for Kelly, but also will free her up to get back into the whole will they or won't they with her and Seth. Oh shit! That's good. 
maybe even Cassius and Michaela McManus. That's good. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say we will see a gender pronoun bullshit at some okay. point. I, right, I'm gonna say two, we will see that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um gosh. What else could he be mad at? I think religion still. I think we'll see another yeah. anti religious episode. All right. What about I'm I'm trying to think of like what would a rich guy get mad at? And because I'm not rich, I'm like staring into the this world as if through a glass darkly um what if what i've come up with is someone scratches his car a valet scratches his car so so i think so the spaceship yeah i think the spaceship will somehow get wrecked by like a a valet type person (laughs) and he's gonna be like low-key irritated about it oh and i predict that there will be a scene where Lamar and Malloy are playing video games together. Ooh. Yeah. I predict that there will be a scene where Kelly or another woman on the ship has to drive the ship, and she <gasps> does a very bad job of it. Ooh. I predict a scene where one of the women on the ship be shopping. <laughs> well, that's a solid amount of predictions. Yeah, that was a lot of predictions. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I think we got ourselves covered to shooting for a 50% success rate on that one. There we go. Much much like, uh, much like Bordis, I really have to piss. Yeah. Same here. Okay. Well, I'm going to, we're all going to have our Jalojas (laughs) and, uh, we'll scream it as we do. Absolutely. Dude. Thank you for joining me for the piss and the porn episodes of the Orville. May there be many more. (laughs) May there indeed. Oh